Here they come! Welcome to episode 90 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Andrew Glazebrook to discuss the first appearance of the Cyclops in the seventh voyage of Sinbad. Five. We're on express elevator to hell, going down. Two, one, mark. Hello, Andrew. Hello, you Okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's Saturday night. I've had my tea and uh, I'm sat here and I'm talking to you. So I'm oh. absolutely fine. Thank you very much. It's uh, stop motion Saturday. That's what stop. it is. Oh, I wish I'd thought of that. Stop motion Saturday. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Let, let's make every Saturday stop motion day. Uh, we might <laughs> run out of things after a while. Well, at least oh. decent things. Yeah. All right. So I'm guessing um, you, like me and anybody else listening to this at who are around about our ages, we were all uh, exposed to Ray Harryhausen films when we were very small. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of BBC Two sort of afternoon, Saturday afternoon sort of movie, wasn't it really? Yep. Um, but f- actually, this one I did actually see at the cinema. Now it was on a double bill back in 1979 with The Humanoid. Which was the uh, the Richard Keel, <laughs> and um, I'd gone with my brother to see the humanoid, and then this was on with it, uh, which grief. was unusual. Uh, yeah, I mean double bills. You know, I didn't see many of them, but this was definitely one of the ones that I seen. Well, there were a lot um, of double bills now, back, back, back in those days, I... weren't there? there? There there were tons of double bills back in those yeah. days, but I get the I... feeling though what it was. Yeah, I get the feeling what it was, was we went to see it and sort of like we'd arranged sort of for a pickup afterwards, but uh, we kind of only watched about half of this and then we sort of essentially had to leave because we were due to be picked up. Uh, you know, that had already been arranged. We didn't realise this second film was going to be on. Right. It just, it, I think there was like a brief intermission and then the second film started and then we got about maybe halfway through it because it's not like that long a movie, is it? And then no, I think my no. brother sort of said, oh, you know, Dad, Dad's coming to pick us up, so we had to kind of leave. But I, you know, obviously, um, I'd seen it before anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, I'd sort of, sort of seen a fair bit of it at the cinema. But that's really weird. I mean, you know, mm. uh, back back then, of course, yeah, you had a feature, and you either had a short or you had a second feature. And um, yeah, yeah I, I showed lots of double bills, but f- to show a film from the fifties with a film from yeah. the late seventies, that's really odd, isn't it? Yeah, well, you'd have thought it would have been the Golden Voyage because that had Carolyn Munro mm. in it, mm. uh, like uh, you know, which was a bit more kind of up to, up to date sort of you know present movie in a way. It was the early seventies movie, so you think that might have been a better one to show. But uh, I don't know what the thought process. I don't know whether it was something that went nationally with the humanoid or whether it was just something the cinema decided just to do themselves. Well, no, um, a cinema site can't choose what films it's going to do. That that would come from head office. But right, okay. But that thematically, the humanoid and Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. I can't think of t- t- two more fantasy films that were so different to each other. Yeah. 
Wow. But anyway, so but anyway, yeah, so, so you've it. seen it on the big screen, you scumbag. Well, at least yeah, half of it. Well, anyway, half of it. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So did you see this scene on the big screen? Did you see the first half? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know that—that's the thing, isn't it? About you know this movie. It's it's one of those films that, in terms of Harry Harrison movies or any monster movie, this is like the scene we're talking about here literally happens within the first few minutes of the movie. It's it not does like crack on, to... doesn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah, within the first ten minutes. Yeah, we don't have to wait any real length of time to sort of see the first monster. It's kind of just you know in and. The thing about Harry Hosen monsters a lot of the time, they weren't hinted at or anything. They were just bang, they're on the screen, aren't they? Mm. You know, there was no sort of hiding them in the shadows. I suppose Medusa was the only one to sort of do that a little bit. Yeah. But most of the Harry Hosen monsters are just there. You know, they're, 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 they're more like characters, really, than monsters, aren't they? They're well, just that introduced. sums up. Yeah, that sums up Ray Harryhausen's creations totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and and it was a big selling point. You know, all the uh, you could never be surprised by the Cyclops because it was part of the publicity. It would be on the posters. It would be everywhere, yeah. wouldn't it? You know. Yeah. And yeah, you, uh, you look at any of the Harryhausen posters, and they're pretty much giving away all the main monsters. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, that's what's trying to get you into the cinema isn't it really yeah. and i can remember when i was little you know i knew if it said ray harryhausen that yeah. you know i was in for a treat you know even yeah. if i hadn't seen the film before if it said ray harryhausen at the beginning it's like ooh, you know mm. and you yeah. knew you were um, in for a treat didn't you yeah but um, i think this creature sort of very much you know a bit like what we were talking about um, with the the balrog it's one of those which was obviously a lot of years later the balrog but it's had that kind of impact on me you know it's one of those where you watch it and you think oh wow that's so good mm. you know it just stays with you because it's it's so well done um yeah and it's and not just I, us i mean there are so many people in the film industry you know the dennis murians the phil tippets and all that rick, you know rick, that rick, the, rick baker, rick baker yeah they, they, they all yeah. cite ray harryhausen as a, a massive inspiration and quite rightly so yeah and uh, i've certainly seen rick baker do um a version of the cyclops i think he did one of when he was starting to work in zbrush i remember him doing a version and it was really really nicely done um but yeah it's a very popular creature and probably my Probably my favourite Ray Harryhausen creature, to tell you the truth. So, uh, does that mean that that's your favourite? This is your favourite sequence from Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. This beats like the skeleton sequence towards the end. Yeah, probably. And I mean, it's, it's funny because the Cyclops obviously does appear later on in the movie, and it appears. Uh, and there's a second Cyclops with two horns, isn't there? It's not the same right, Cyclops. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pe people seem to forget that the. The sort of Cyclops we see earlier on actually gets killed, and then a second Cyclops shows up later on in the movie. Yeah, which is the one that fights the um, uh, uh, the dragon. The dragon thing. Yeah. Which is a two. It's essentially the same model with a second horn glued yeah. on. But uh, you know, you, you, I think a lot of people sort of seem to forget that. Yeah, there's two Cyclops in this movie. It's a value of the Cyclops, I think he calls it, doesn't he? At one point. Yes. So you know, he does emphasise that there's more than one. Um, but I think, you know, if you sort of see a picture of the Cyclops, you think, oh, it's a Cyclops. You don't think, oh, that's the second Cyclops. You know, oh, I, I had totally forgotten that the, the second one had two horns, and I bought the Japanese vinyl kit of the Cyclops, and it came right. with two heads. And it's like, why are there two heads in this model kit? And that's when it slowly dawned on me that, ah, it's because there's yeah. two versions of the Cyclops in the film. And I'd completely forgotten that. Yeah, I think it was just Harry Harrison's way of just sort of differentiating it wasn't it just to say well it 
you know, pe- people might be confused if it's just the Cyclops again. Yeah. Thinking, hang on, this is just falling off a cliff. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been stabbed in the eye with a flaming torch uh, about midway through the movie and fallen off a cliff. Falls so why, off why, the cliff. why is he back? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, he should be back one. with an eye patch, but you know, a cyclops <laughs> with an eye patch isn't much cop, is he? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, is this your favourite uh, Sinbad film out of all Ray's Sinbad films? Uh, oh, it's really hard. It's really difficult to sort of say because I do like Golden Voyage as well. I mean, I, I like all of them really, but Golden Voyage has obviously got the the, the Carly and. Mm. Um, and I, I like the troglodyte from the um, uh, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger as well, you know. And I think what I like about the troglodyte, and I, I'd mentioned this recently on one of my posts on Instagram, it's one of the few Harry Horsen creatures that's actually like helping the good guys. Yes. Uh, well, it know, is a good a, guy, isn't it? It's yeah, a monster, yes. but it's a good, good monster. Yeah, and you don't often get that because the monsters were the monsters, and you know, you, they were there to, you know, fight the good guys, but the the troglodyte initially shows up and you sort of think, oh, and it's very similar to the sort of Cyclops in a, in a weird sort of way mm. with its, with its horn and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that's like one of the few monsters that actually helps the, our heroes out. So, mm. uh, but can you narrow it down? What, what, what film would you say? I think you're like me. It's, it, it's a hard one to choose between golden voyage and seventh voyage, isn't it? Mm, yeah. It's between um, them two. Yeah, and, and and each obviously had its own uh, actor playing Sinbad as well, and I quite like them all. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, diss any of them. I think they were all good in their own way. Hmm. Um, I'm not too sure why they had a different actor between the two later ones because they were very close together. They were, yeah. Um, you know, this this one had a bit more of a, a, a gap, obviously. You know, the, uh, you don't realise really what the gap is between. Uh, you know, the, uh, this one and then the second one. Yeah, it's like 16, 17 years, something oh, like that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, at least, you know. And um, So you think, yeah, it's a de- decent gap. I mean, obviously growing up watching them on TV, you don't realise that. You know, you see one one week on BBC Two, and it's probably one the next week on BBC yeah. Two, and you just assume that they've, um, you know, they were made roughly at the same time. But, yeah, years later, you find out there was a quite a big chunk of a gap in between. Um, but this is... Um, Another film as well, obviously Nathan Duran. Um, he'd done a, a couple of films with Harry Hawes and hadn't he did uh, Twenty Million Miles to Earth? Uh-huh. He'd already done, um, and then he later went on to do First Men in the Moon, um, and then he also did the uh, Jack the Giant Killer, which was essentially a yes, it was a, a Sinbad a, film basically, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know it's it's not a great movie. I mean, it's got it's some got moments, animation, doesn't it? Yeah, but. It's, it's even got the same actors, hasn't it? It's even got Kerwin Matthews and Torin Thatcher. Yeah. So he even took some of the actors with him. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is bizarre. I'll tell you what, looking back on it now, especially this film, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, is the fact that if you look at that now, and it's like, it does seem a bit odd that, you know, everybody in this film um, are white Americans. And yet yeah, it's it's a it's an Arabian story, you know. But yeah, everybody yeah. is white Americans, and Sinbad himself has got a very 1950s American haircut, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so... the, the, they don't really sort of 
go the sort of route of making people look like they're meant to be from another country. They don't sort of brown brown anybody up or anything. No. They're tan tan anybody. They're just pretty much who no. they are. And no, there's nods um, to that in Golden Voyage of Sinbad, isn't there? You know where at least they're bringing in turbans and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know uh, there are darker skinned uh, people either through makeup or or whatever. But in this one, yeah, it it looking at it now. Um, that does seem a bit odd. And I think as I was growing up and I, I watched them, as you say, they, they, they would be repeated quite a lot on, you know, BBC Two. Um, mm. I think by that time I had been watching, you know, uh, the Banana Splits TV show. And, yeah. of course, in that you had an animated sh- uh, short each week, didn't you, called The um, the Arabian uh, Nights, wasn't it? And, yeah. And so I'd, I, even when I was young, it's like uh, these stories are set in Arabia. Mm. Um, and so why, why why is everyone American? And I think I, I, I had that feeling when, even then when I was about like 10 or something like that. It's like. Um, these are Americans, you know, <laughs> but it's an Arabian story. Yeah, this was also the sort of, I don't know if it was the um, first big stop motion film, uh, but it was actually shot in colour as well. Um, you know, up to this point, Harry Horsen's films have all been black and white. Mm. Um, and then this was like, I suppose it there, there wasn't many stop motion features before this, you know, with a great, there, there'll have been stop motion films, but nothing with this sort of, amount of stop motion no um so yeah it was his first one shot in uh, full color i've said before on this show you know it would be brilliant wouldn't it to go back in a time machine and go and watch this with an audience you know back in mm. like 1958 59 and see what they made of this a stop motion creature film in color yeah up on the big screen yeah. like that yeah um and that- was this the first sort of to use the term dy- dynamation as well? I think it might have been. It might have been. Yeah. It might have possibly been. to kind of emphasise the, the the fact it was colour and dynamation and things like that. Yeah. 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 All right. But yeah, it's, it's you know it's a it's a fantastic film and I got the Blu-ray set recently. You know, which was the three mm. Sinbad movies the Sinbad ones, uh, yeah. by Indica- I think it was yeah uh, Indicator Films mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know they did a really really good job and. You know, they all look fantastic, um, very, very nicely done. And a, a lot of the old documentaries, there's, I think there's some new stuff on there. Uh, say commentary-wise, I'm not too sure if there's any kind of hist- historical, um, you know, historian ones. Because you sometimes get uh, on these things, if they can't obviously get anybody from the period, you might get even people like Joe Dante sometimes. Yes. You know, he's, he's a, a, a sort of a big fan of these things. So you get people who are fans and things chipping in or... Yeah. Uh, so there's the uh, the chap who writes the books. Uh, to- is it Tony Dalton? Mm-hmm. I don't That's know. Right. If he, I don't know if he's ever done any commentary tracks, but uh, he's. I suppose he was a, a you know good friend with Harry Horsen, and you know he's done several books, hasn't he, of Harry Horsen's now, mm-hmm. uh, Art of and the um, the Animated Life and things like that. Yeah, I have them all on my shelf. I was yeah. saying to you just before we started recording, it's very refreshing to sometimes. Mm do research by just taking books off your shelf and looking through rather than trusting the computer for it. Yeah, I see so many sort of things on IMDb in a trivia where you're thinking that's just completely wrong, you know. <laughs> um, I don't know who, who writes some of the trivia on these things, but, um, you know, I have seen things like that. Where just, yeah, that, that's not right. You no, know. you wouldn't get that in print, though. You can trust, you, you can pretty much trust what's in print, can't you? Yeah, especially if it's like 
the Harryhausen and it's Ray talking as well, yeah, which I yeah. which I have used, and I'm guess you'll be using for uh, for the behind the scenes. But before that, let let's get into the clip, and okay. uh, and then we'll talk about the sequence. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so a mysterious ship. Hang on. <laughs> Start again. Why did I put ship? All right. Five, four, three, <laughs> two, one. A mysterious. <laughs> so, so I've got it. I'm, I'm, I'm old. I've, I've got no bladder control. And when I come back, my <laughs> mind takes a while to um, sort itself out. And my wife is in the next room and she's sniggering at me, which puts me off as well. <laughs> All, all these, oh, all these obstacles. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right. So a mysterious wind has blown Sinbad's ship off. Co- Stop sniggering in the back there. <laughs> a mysterious wind has blown Sinbad's ship off course, and they've landed at an island to take on fresh water and food, haven't they, Andrew? Yeah. Please take yeah. over. Yeah. Um, and then one of the, one of the things that always stands out to me, you know, the, the the searching around the island, obviously, and then you've just got this fantastic shot of this kind of face built into the side of the cliffs. And I think as a kid, that was even that was fantastic. You know, it's like, oh, what is that? You know, what's this cave? You know, what's this giant stone face carved into the side of the cliff? Yeah, you don't tend to see many um, faces carved into the um, cliff no, faces, but, do you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think even that as an image is brilliant, mm. you know. And and, and say within within moments, we we hear sort of um, Sakura um, Torin Thatcher's character running out the cave, and then the noise of the the Cyclops, and yeah. you know, there's and it just we're, we're straight into it. He's just there. It's just the Cyclops just comes running out. But even before um, that, though, we've had that because Sinbad has noticed there's the cloven hoof footprints, aren't there? Yeah, These yeah. whacking great big footprints. Yeah. I mean, if anything, you're going to go, right, I'm off. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you get straight back in your boat and row away, wouldn't you, as soon as you see that? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and also, I mean, when you see that first uh, cloven hoof, you've got the brilliant uh, Bernard Herrmann music. This yeah. uh, foreboding music thing that he mm. does so so well, doesn't he? So you yeah. know something's up. And you're right. Just after that, they 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 see this uh, you know this massive carved st- stone face set into the mountain uh, yeah. with its open mouth leads into the mountain, doesn't it? Yeah, and... I, I assume that was kind of a probably a miniature. Well, I, no, it's it was a matte a painting. It, oh, is it, it a map painting? Yeah, it's, it's actually a map painting. Yes, yeah. Um, Ray says that in one of those books. Yeah, that's, oh, right. that, that's totally whether... a map painting. But it's flawless. Yeah. I mean, you look at it now. I mean, I, I I watched this on. I haven't got the Blu-ray that you've got. I've got it on DVD. But even so, on a big TV like that, you know, mm. um, you can't see the join at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was probably filmed. Spain was normally the. Yeah, it it, it was all round uh, Mallorca and Granada and Mallorca and all round there, yes, yeah. But I think what's so impactive about the Cyclops, besides obviously, you know, just the way it appears, it's it's the fact it's got these kind of 
goat legs. It's not just a man. Mm. You know, it doesn't just like a man walking out there. It's just the legs um, really, really add to it. And I think you know that was a, a fantastic thing. You know that he did for this creature was to give it such an unusual look. Yeah, and now the, and, and sort of the three fingers as well, hasn't it? It's just yeah, kind of got, got two. Got got the three fingers. Yeah, no. It uh, originally uh, in Ray's concept art, it, it did have regular human legs, mm, um, yeah. but but they changed it to these like goat legs so that audiences would uh, realise it's not a man in a costume, okay? And it's a bit like what you were saying, you know, when we did our Alien Resurrection episode uh, with Pumpkinhead. If you do it that way, then, you know, you're telling the audience that's not a man just dressed up. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird-looking... It's got, I don't know, sort of almost scaly, isn't it? He has got scales, yeah. Yeah, that Japanese kit. Yeah, that Japanese kit that I I I told you about um, Mm. is very accurate. And yeah, when you're making it and painting it, you realise there are actually scales. He he is a a a regular flesh tone, bit orange, but um, bit faint Mm. tan. But uh, you know, yeah, he has definitely got uh, like scales over his shoulders and chest area. Yeah, and he's kind of quite sort of muscular as well, sort of like the the build of him, you know, he's sort of his arms and torsos sort of quite well built, but there's just something about the the, the face and the you know the the expression on his face and his mouth and everything that's just fantastic. As soon as he appears, you go, oh, this is this is a great creature. I th- I think what it is is from the get go. As soon as yeah, Sakura comes out the the cave mouth and says help me, and almost immediately yeah. out come the Cyclops. The Cyclops, um, to quote Mystery Men, he's sort of like a ticking time bomb of fury. He's just angry all the time, isn't he? He he's furious because he's had his little yeah. magic lantern nicked, yeah. and uh, he's just roaring and angry all the time. Yeah, and there's quite a nice sort of low angle shot, sort of looking up, which gives him the height you yeah. know um uh, uh, in one of the early shots where you've you... you've nicked my, my my show notes my show notes says what we basically got when he comes out we've got a two second shot of him um where he's side on a distance and then we, that there's a splice and we go to mm. this like chest shot and it's way way down low um it's brilliant he, he's filmed from way down low looking up at him to to give him just this sense of mass and scale and of course you've got to remember this cyclops stop motion animation model is a foot tall it's the size yeah. of an action man or a gi joe if you're on the other side of the pond um yeah. he's 12 inches tall this model mm. but you wouldn't believe it from that angle and it's you know the several shots straight away where he's actually in sort of with people so you immediately give you give any scale uh, in relation to mm. you know the actors and stuff like that so you can see he's, he's you know, a big creature. Um, but yeah, they all sort of leg it down the beach, don't they, basically? They leg um, it down the beach, and Sinbad's the one who turns around and throws that spear. Yeah, and that's a great shot when the spear hits him. It hits of... him It hits him on the heart, doesn't it? it, it, it Sinbad's, yeah. yeah, you know, aimed it perfectly. It hits him just where his heart should be, okay? But that just seems yeah. to enrage him even more. And, you know, Ray over the years has been rightly credited, you know, for giving his creations character. And it's true yeah. here because not only does he pull that spear out, but then he looks at it for a brief second, yeah. doesn't he? Just yeah. to check out, oh, you've thrown that at me. And then he, he starts roaring again, doesn't he? It's the sort of the impact of the spear. It's just that kind of recoil as it hits him. He kind of, the, the way Ray's animated him kind of pulling back. Yeah. Um, it, 
it's not just as simple as it it just hits him in the chest and there's no response he's got real personality yeah um you know he always did that harry house and that kind of weird sort of back back step sort of motion yeah, uh, yeah. T- to the character and yeah the, he pulls the spear out but there's no blood that's one of the things that maybe that was sort of for for certification it could but, have yeah, been the, couldn't it yeah there's, cer- there's certainly no blood trickles out of him or anything it's almost like he's maybe his skins are just incredibly tough yeah you know, yeah like no real... he, he's hacked off if anything mm. he just, he's just more enraged isn't he and um, yeah yeah, he resumes his attack and he lunges for Sinbad, who's fallen over, and he gets another spear to the waist. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah you know, all, all Sinbad's crew are, are um, trying to protect him and everything. And that's when Sakura he calls on the genie uh, with that, you know, the line about you know from the land beyond, 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 beyond yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we all remember, don't we? You know, you, yeah. you might have watched this when you were five, but you remember about the land beyond, beyond. Yeah, and out pops the little boy, um, who is the he says, he says build, build me a wall, doesn't he, between the men and the cyclops? Yep, he, he wants says. a barrier yeah. to protect them. Yeah, and that's when the the little boy, the genie, he goes off and does cartwheels for some reason, which yeah. turns into this force field, doesn't it? It turns into like a ball of light, doesn't he? And he does. Kind of yeah. the force field. But I absolutely love that force field effect. It's I think it's the same effect he used in. Um, the Earth versus flying saucers for mm-hmm. around the ship. Yeah, but there's just something about uh, when it it sort of ripples across the screen. I between... tell you what, yeah, you're right, and and the way that ripples, it also reminds me of the original Star Trek. It seems to be almost like a Star Trek effect, you know. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the I know, sort of yeah. thing that they would do, you know. And but this is this is a good like what seven, eight years before Star Trek. Um, yeah, and it's there. Yeah, it's it's great because it's. It's you can still see the cyclops on the other side, but it's got like this sort of shimmer, hasn't it? Like a ripple, like it's a piece of sort of rippled glass. Yeah, and he's battering uh, at it, isn't he? He's battering at it, and he can't get yeah. through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then they all, they all start heading for the uh, for the rowing boat, which is obviously on the other side. It doesn't really sort of explain how far this barrier is meant to go. Is it meant to go out? Obviously, you know. Just to the edge of the sand, I assume. Uh, I don't because... know, but the Cyclops hasn't figured that that out because they, yeah, they do. They get in the rowboat, and that's when the Cyclops chucks a boulder over the barrier. So that barrier can't be very high yeah. if he can chuck a, a a boulder over it, and that causes the boats to collapse. But as soon as that lamp goes into the water, the barrier mm. comes down, doesn't it? And that's when yeah, you get someone... oh, oh oh crap a moment. Yeah. And then the Cyclops decides to sort of like wade out into the water. This is one of the few se- parts of the sequence I think is a little bit. I know what effect- you're going to say. It's the, the, the close-up of him actually going out into the water is not too bad. It's the long shot. It's like yeah. there's no sense of scale. He looks probably slightly too big. Yeah. Um, plus, there's no reflection of him in the water whatsoever. Um, and also, you know. within about two steps, he's down to about his waist. It's like, well, yeah. that's a drop-off, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> On that beach. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think just the close-up shots would have sufficed, really. But then he reaches in, and you see him pick out the lamp, the little miniature lamp. And, How does you know, he know that, that, that that's there? He stops exactly where that lamp is and puts his arm down and gets it, doesn't he? Yeah. Hmm. I, do, I don't know. You, the, the boat does sort of tip over. Maybe he's, 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 I think you must see the lamp go in the water. You do um, see the lamp go in the yeah, water. Yeah. But all this, you know, when he grabs the lamp and he holds it to him, yeah. I, I was reminded very much of Gollum. In Lord of the Rings, it's yeah, a he, whole he, mine he, sort of thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he clutches it sort of to his chest, doesn't he, and then heads back on land as if yeah. to say, I've, I've got it back, it's mine. 
because once he's got that lantern, he's not bothered yeah. by them anymore. You know, I'm, no. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, later on he's going to be eating on, on people. But right now, yeah. he's got his precious back, hasn't he? Yeah. And, and away yeah. he goes. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, you know, considering it's so early on in the movie, it's quite a big sequence. And uh, one of the books I've got sort of said, you know, I think it's sort of, um, it's around about a three-minute sequence. And there's, uh, there's 31 shots in this, like stop-motion cuts. Really? Um, you know, in, in the whole sequence, yeah. You know, so there's, there's quite a lot going on um, right early on in the movie. Uh, I suppose it's just to hook you straight into the story, isn't it? You know, and yeah. and, the, and, the, and the, the fact that later on when he says about going back to the island, you immediately know one of the threats already. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, um, you kind of think, oh, the Cyclops is still there. So there, there's something they've got to contend with. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, All right. Well, that's our sequence over. Mm. And like you say, it's only like a three-minute sequence. It seems to go on forever, you know, yeah. because it's just so darn good. But, it, yeah, it's a relatively short uh, sequence. Uh, so, yeah, behind the scenes then. And um, originally, yes, this island was meant to be an island of Cyclops. What do you say? Island of Cyclopses? So- Cy- Cyclopi? Cy- Cyclopses, I suppose, yeah. Cyclopses is, is, is. Yeah, and originally storyboarded, there were two massive ruined Cyclops heads laying on the ground when the crew land on the island. And later on in the film, it's a sequence we're not talking about now, but when the Cyclops is, you know, has caught some of the humans and he's going to cook them, there was meant yeah. to be a fight there between two Cyclopses over the food you know all right okay yeah and there's a i'll put it on facebook there's a really good uh sketch by uh ray harryhausen of um when he is ro- you know he roasts that guy on the spit doesn't he uh later yeah, on yeah um yeah he's licking his fingers um when he's doing right. that you know uh but they never use that um yeah that stone face entrance yeah that was a matte shot as i say um and again, I'll put it on Facebook, but uh, Ray's original Cyclops design, um, it had regular human legs, and it was also wearing a loincloth. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming because back then the Cyclops had genitalia, but of yeah. course in this one you've got a bit of furry uh, goat skin to hide any yeah, sort yeah. of like todger, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all the bottom parts just this kind of fur with the, the, the hooves. I think it's a great design. It's, you know... It's, um... Well, it's a classic, isn't it? It's an absolute yeah. classic. Even if you haven't seen the film, I think you've got an idea of you know where that's come from. And it tends to be one of those creatures, if you ever sort of see some kind of... I think even in one of the Harryhausen documentaries, it's the central creature, mm. I think, in the painting on one of the documentaries uh, that came out on DVD. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very sort of recognisable Harryhausen creature. I don't think any sort of book or anything would ever sort of have a front cover with probably not having the Cyclops on. I can't think of anything else. Can you think of any of his others that would be higher than that? I mean, I think equal would be maybe the Medusa and maybe Carly, but I can't think of anything higher. Not really, no. um, You know, even like, you know, the Kraken and Calibos, I mean, you know, they're good characters, but they're nowhere near on the level of, of this. No. Um... No, yeah, I, no, no. Just, I think uh, I, I think he is the one. 
I th- maybe yeah. we'll put this on Facebook. People vote for what is your favourite Ray Harryhausen creation. But uh, mm. I think with an awful lot of people, it is either this or the Medusa. I reckon will be um, uh, that will be the two yeah. the two horse race. I reckon. Yeah, it's it. I like the bit as well when he kind of does sort of head back kind of onto the shore, and he kind of does that kind of final. He sort of turns around almost and gives him like a final kind of growl. He does, doesn't he? You know, <laughs> while he's um, clutching the lantern. Yes. Yeah, which is which is another great bit of characterisation. He he added so much more than what probably other people would have done. Harry Hosen. Um, you know, he really made them characters. But he's um, getting all that from his mentor, isn't he? He's getting that from Willis O'Brien. You know, you yeah. look back at King Kong, and it's the way, you know, the T-Rex can, like, scratch his nose and things like that, you know. Yeah. It didn't need to be put it put in, and that's a heck of a lot of animation to do it, but they did it anyway. Yeah, and and you think, you know, what what would it have lost had it not had all those, like, little bits you know would it would we just assume it would have just these become just kind of bland creatures you know without all of those nice little traits i don't know it's ray harryhausen i mean you know there were other people you know competing there were other people emulating ray harryhausen at the same time and mm. but they didn't have the charm did they yeah yeah i mean you sort of you know you said willis o'brien and this harkens back to king kong defeating the tyrannosaurus rex when it starts sort of playing with the jaw yes you know as if to say oh that's interesting you know and it, it's dead but he could have just killed it and walked off but he yes. doesn't he has a little bit no, of a there's the character there's just, there yeah there's just a little bit more to these uh, yeah. to these things yeah uh, what else have I got? Oh yes, during location filming, um, Ray used what's called a monster stick, which yeah. is this standing device, so the actors would know where the eye line was. He yeah. always said, you know, and he's absolutely right, you know, you can go to all this sort of trouble putting in a stop motion monster, but if the eye lines don't match up, you've blown it, haven't you? Mm, yeah, I'm not too sure who sculpted the um, Cyclops. I've had a bit of a look. Um... Because there was a guy called Arthur Hayward who did like some of the sculptures um, for some of the Sinbad films, but they were more later on. I'm not too sure who sculpted Cyclops. Do you think it was Ray? Actually, yeah. Ray himself. It might have been. I mean, there's there's, there's a fair chance it was. Um, because in the early you know, days, his dad made the armatures for him, didn't he? His dad made his arm the armatures, and then Ray did the sculpting. Yeah, um, which which was the Harry Hosen creature which recycled the armature from the Ymir? Was was it the Cyclops? No, it's not the Cyclops. It's definitely not the Cyclops. Um, there, there was something later on, wasn't it? Well, was it the, was, was was it the, the troglodyte? troglodyte? It yeah. might have been the troglodyte. Yeah, it, re- recycled. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's the troglodyte. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and that was that was more of a case of obviously the not so much that the Ymir wasn't worth keeping it was probably more just felt the bits yes you know yeah. it, it, well it, it, you know I, all, all this is rubber and rubber and latex as you know they perish don't they you know before you know quite modern um you, you know uh inventions you know all these things were perishable it's why yoda you know and that mm. was only like 1980 you know yeah. is, is, is in a shocking state these things were never meant to last as long as they did and you know the few um, items of rays that are left that still have rubber on them, that's a blooming good trick because, you know, um, so many others, they've just rotted away. Yeah, the, the thing about the, 
the Cyclops as well with the furry legs is unlike kind of like a creature like Kong, which was all fur and Mighty Joe Young, where you, you've got that constant rustling. You don't really notice it so much on the legs. No. Because I think he's kind of like... Well, you look at the face. On... You're looking at the yeah, face. You don't look yeah. at the legs. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, you, you're kind of almost like, yeah, I'm sure there is something going on there with the legs, but he, the, the way he does certain shots and stuff, yeah, you're kind of drawn to the, the upper part of the body. I'll have, um, have to go back and have a look and just watch the legs and see what's yeah. going on. Yeah, it's kind of quite weird, isn't it? Because the legs sort of are more kind of a... They're not like sort of a Mighty Joe Young King Kong type of fur. They're, they're, they're very sort of woolly almost. They are, yeah. They're a little bit sort of... So I'm not too sure what material he used, but maybe it just didn't rustle around as much as the as the other stuff did. Mm, mm. All right, the boat that was capsized by that boulder that the Cyclops mm. uh, chucked, um, that, that owes its origin to an early draft of the script where the giant rock bird um, yeah. was dropping rocks on Sinbad's ship, not his rowboat, but his actual ship. So that's an idea from a, a rejected and deleted scene, okay? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we've been talking armatures. All that's left now of the original uh, Cyclops is his armature. Um, mm. But he's missing his left leg. Um, All right. Yeah, as Ray reused it. I haven't been able to find out why he just used the, the leg for something else. Um, and for the longest time, the armature was thought lost. But mm. after Ray died, they cleared out his L.A. garage, and there he was. Um, All right. And so, yeah, the armatures still exist. It's still got the horn, he's, and he's still got his yeah. teeth, but, of course, he's minus his uh, glass eye and because, anything rubbery. Yeah, because I was saying, going back to the um, Jack the Giant Killer, the, the, the creature that Jim Danforth animated was very much a tribute to this, wasn't it? The two-headed creature. Mm kind of had the, the, the furry goat legs, mm. and it was down on the beach. Um, yeah. uh, I can't remember what that creature was called now, but, uh, you know, it was very much like in, in tribute to this. And, you know, the fact it was the same director, some of the same actors, um, you know, it was like a... It was like the, the, sort of the equivalent to, you know, uh, what we were talking about in the past with films like Star Crash. It was like somebody else came along and said, hey, we can do one of those. <laughs> Um, Let's do it, yeah. <laughs> you know, but but not quite as as good a quality. You know, not knocking Jim Danforth because he was a fantastic animator. Mm, yeah, but, of course. You know, they yeah. certainly didn't have the thing, but it, it was more a case of the fact that it was the same, even the same director. Yeah. You know, and that would be like actors. sort of almost <laughs> that would be almost be like George Lucas ripping off his own film Star Wars with some of the same actors and not doing the same job. You know, <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah. The, right. There was always a little bit of thing about the um, the spelling of Baghdad in these movies, wasn't there? Because yeah. the, the, the spell it is it B B A G H D A D. Yeah. Or is it? Or is it B A G D A D? So yeah. I'm not too sure whether it's meant to be spelt with a H or not. But uh, oh, I have no idea. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the sort of um, movies he made. They, I mean, like, he, he did originally want to do a, a Sinbad on Mars, didn't he? At one point, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they are the sort of the, the ones, along with the uh, Jason and the Argonauts. I think people do remember. Mm. Uh, again, from the Harry Harrison collection, there's just something about them. Clash of the Titans seems very popular with a certain age group. Whenever I post it on Instagram, there's a certain sort of demographic, you know, who probably grew up at that time. Right. Um, I always thought 
Clash of the Titans was one of the weaker ones, really. Yeah, I th- uh, and I think the reason is, I mean, you you and I are almost the same age, and we grew up with these, you know, the Jasons and the first Sinbads. So when you go to the cinema and see <laughs> uh, Clash of the Titans, you're older now. You're not that child yeah. that you've been watching these films for, you know, like 10 years, you know, and you go into it as a different person, don't you? Yeah. And music-wise, uh, Bernard Herrmann's uh, music's fantastic, but the the music for the Clash of the Titans uh, it really it really sort of sort of got me. I don't know, got under my skin somehow. I just didn't like it. Mm. Um, I can't remember who that was. I think it was Leonard Rosenman, possibly. Mm. I think it it might have been the same guy. Did he do the music for Star Trek Four, which was pretty awful as well? Yeah. Um, there was just something about his score that really just. I don't know. It just wasn't it, the same, was it? It just wasn't no. the same caliber. But Bernard Herrmann's music in this is just from from the offset. It's fantastic, isn't it? You know the the, the theme and everything. Oh and yeah. The, the, like the, the, just the the majesty of it all, and just the adventure and the sort of film I could sort of almost compare this to in terms of its like fun and its adventure. It's it's very much like the uh, uh, the the Crimson Pirate. Yeah. The uh, Lank- Lancaster movie, yeah, but yeah. without without the monsters, obviously, you know. Uh, this this film, you know, what you're saying about the music and everything like this. Every time it comes on, it is so evocative. Every time I start watching it, I could be sat on the settee with the little, you know, seven year old me, and mm-hmm. we could be watching it together because it just takes you back to that time, doesn't it? When you used to watch them on a rainy Sunday afternoon or something like that. Yeah, and I mean, my my kids sort of grew up watching these as well because I would put them on, and you know they liked them. I think there's just something magical about stop motion animation. I don't know what it is, mm. um, but you know, it, it. I think as a kid, there's just something about the fact that this thing is on the screen moving, and you can't quite work out maybe why it's moving like it is or how it's moving like it is, but you just can see it's there. It doesn't look sort of real, but it. Yeah, no, also, it's, it, it's like you're watching it and you know it's fake. Yeah. But you buy it that it's real. You allow for it. Whereas, and I think this is the problem with CGI now. CGI is is trying so hard to look realistic. Yeah. That yeah. you know, you go, oh no, that, that there's no charm to it. You know, with, with yeah. stop motion animation, you're fully aware that what you're watching is a special effect. But yeah. you go along with it. It it adds to you know the uh, just the charm and the believability of the story. It's like a fairy yeah, tale, it, isn't it? It, it yeah, becomes a fairy tale. It, yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's a sort of difficult thing to pin down. You know that kind of what you're saying there. It's like well, it, it should look. You, people just just say that looks just terrible. You know, it's not real. And I, I, in fact, I do know some people who not have, uh, there was a friend of mine many years ago and he couldn't stand stop motion animation, nothing. He didn't like Empire Strikes Back. He didn't like, you know, the Robocops or anything. He just didn't like stop motion. Um, he just said it, it, it just looked phony to him. Right. Um, you know, which is very unusual because I think most people at least like something. Uh, but he was just very much of the thing of, no, I don't like stop motion. It just all looks fake. Um, you know, but... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think even, like you said, the seven-year-old me was sat watching this thinking that monster's not real, but I want to know kind of how it was made. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, you go along uh, with it, don't you? You just totally yeah. and utterly go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, um, you know, I think every sort of filmmaker as well, whether it's sort of the Peter Jacksons of the world or the Steven Spielbergs or the Guillermo del Toro, 
when you look back at their kind of early history, um, they've all either got stop motion animation in mm. their garages. You know, nearly all of them have, yeah. have, have have tried to build some kind of monster. Have you and animate it? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I did sort of plasticine animation on Super Eight. You know, even if it was just claymation, um, try to make some kind of demon. I remember doing one years ago. I, I don't even know where the footage is, but I even made like a I hollowed the, out the chest section and done a, um, a like a stomach, so I could actually have a syringe and a pipe, and I could draw air in and out, mm. sort of between. You know, sort of like take a frame draw a bit of air out, take a frame, draw a bit more air out, and then after so many frames, start pumping it back in. So it actually looked like it was breathing. Mm. And that was probably about 12 or 13 when I was doing that. Yeah. And, you know, I remember getting the footage back and thinking, oh, that looks pretty good, actually. It was, it was breathing quite fast. It was going 20 to the dozen, like he'd, like he'd run a marathon. You know, I didn't quite get the pacing of the breathing right. Um, but, you know, I think everybody's had a bit of a go at stop motion. Yeah, I, I, th- um, I think I was doing it about like seven or eight years ago. Our, one of our daughters, she was into uh, these uh, bionicles, uh, sort of like Lego figures, you yeah, know, 12 yeah. inch tall. And uh, uh, you put them together and they're really well articulated, you know, mm. all the joints are articulated. And, and we experimented, you know, with my video camera doing a bit, yeah. little bit of stop motion animation. You can't help it, you know, <laughs> it's like well, well, this thing moves, let's move it, you know. Yeah, well, iPhones now, I mean, if you've got, like, an iPhone, you just go to the App Store and type in stop motion, and there's various programs there oh, for, really? doing st- for doing stop motion, you know, they're, they're all built in um, these days, you know, like, and you can et- you can shoot the film and edit the film and everything all in the app, you know, so there's a lot of these uh, animation. Oh, I've got to look into things. that for our children. Yeah. Oh, we'll have yeah, to do so, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know there was one... Um, I can't remember which app it was, but there's one of them where what you can do is if you've got two iPhones in the family, you can slave the first iPhone to the second, which means you don't even have to actually touch the the iPhone on the tripod. You don't right. have to even press the button. You you use the second iPhone to control kind of, the first. To control the first. So yeah, you can you can have the first one set up on the tripod and animate, and then when you actually want to take a frame, you go to the second one and press the button, and it it's Bluetooth together. Right. You know. Which is really, really inventive because it's safe, um, uh, you know. Because with it, with it, when I used to do it with my uh, cine camera, I had a cable release, you see. So right. you don't have to touch, you know, you've got a little one foot cable and you, yeah. you've got the little clicker. Just press the thing, yeah. So, so you don't have to touch the thing. And that's what this kind of thing is, you know. So you don't have to touch, even if it's on a tripod, you don't have to even go anywhere near the actual wow. iPhone. Um, Can you imagine what Ray would make of this? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he would love Absolutely. it. He would love well, it. You, you see quite a lot of people who get these sort of hot toy figures, you know, whether it's yeah. kind of Blade or Boba Fett and things like that, and do these fantastic stop motions. But a lot of them as well now with digital effects as well, you know, you can do all the sort of things where you you put them on rigs and you can have them leaping through the air and doing somersaults and then you can remove the rig later on, you know. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be nice to... S- I mean... There's been talk recently that uh, they are actually going to try and finish off the Primevals, which is the, oh, really? the, the David Allen. There was talk recently, um, I think it might have been on Practical Effects Group, um, you know, that that is supposedly in the offing again, um, which was, you know, started when in the 1970s, yeah. probably about 75, 76. Um, and he was working on it, David Allen, um, uh, up until, you know, I think his death, which I think was possibly in the nine, sometime in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's talk that you know they're going to go back. Wow. I think Charles Band had the rights, but finish it, and uh, you know, 
the, the the stop motion these days can be so much better in terms of the way they can rig things and and 3d printing as well you know armatures and stuff can be sort of 3d printed these yeah. days you know there's uh, so in, so in the way that it's it's another one of these things where sort of stop motion died out because of CG, but now in a way it can kind of come back and yeah. have all the benefits of CG, but have all the benefits of modern technology, modern materials. You look at a film like the Pirates film that the Aardman did, mm. um, you know, which has got CG in there, but the stop, the stop motion works fantastic as well, and it's that nice marrying of the two. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen uh, I Love Dogs, the Wes Anderson film? No, I haven't seen that one yet. I'll no. go out and get it. I mean, it's it's out now on DVD, and it's been out for a while, so you should be able to pick it up cheap. And yeah, mm. that is totally stop motion and yeah they've used cgi to you know just you know cut corners here and there and augment yeah. it but you know, it's a terrific film the whole film a whole feature length film in stop motion animation and it's engaging and it has uh characters that you can empathize with it, it is like the ray harryhausen way of thinking yeah. still going on now and that is hugely gratifying mm. It's a lot of work, isn't it? Especially when you're doing a full feature. Yeah. Uh, you know, Harry Horsen was working by himself animating on all of these films, except for Clash of the Titans, yeah. uh, where he used Stephen Archer and Jim Danforth. But besides that, he was a, a one-man band in terms of the animation. Um, I know there's a, it, it, this was from obviously the era when um, films just had the opening credits, and there was a handful of key people yeah. mentioned, and obviously then later on um, it just says the end. Um, but there was a lot of people on these movies, whether it's Emilio Ruz del Rio who did foreground miniatures um, on some of these, and people like Les Bowie on some of the mm -hmm. later ones, you know, who were known effects people but never got any credit. No. Um, it was pretty much just Harry Horsen. So then you do find out later on, like you mentioned in the Clash of the Titans one with Medusa, the, 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 the lady who sculpted Medusa, yes. and say, I have here with who've done quite a lot of the dinosaurs for one million years BC. And films like that, you know, you do find out later on that, yeah, there was other people involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Harry Hosen didn't do the matte paintings himself, obviously. You know, that was somebody else. Uh, so, you know, there was other people um, to get credited. Not to steal anything from Harry Hosen, because his work's brilliant anyway. But, mm. um, yeah, we're in that era now, obviously, where, you know, everybody sort of gets credited and... Um, but yeah, he was very much like special effects by Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. what drew an awful lot of people in. You, 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 you saw, oh, it's a Ray Harryhausen film. I'm going to watch mm. that. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of sad to think of that day when you know after the Star Wars and the Close Encounters and the Alien and the Battlestar Galacticas and things like that when people probably did go to the cinema to see Clash of the Titans. Was that 1981, 1980? That was 81, And sort of yeah. sit there and not necessarily be impressed by the fact it's got Harry Housen's name on the mm. front. Yeah. You know, that's that's a sad day, isn't it, to think that probably people went, who? Yeah, that's the time of transition. But it, it is good that, to see that it is coming back to a degree and, you know, mm. his work has been acknowledged as, yeah. as well and everything. And, uh, yeah, speaking of acknowledge... How do you acknowledge this? What 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 would you give this as a rating? Uh, I'd probably have to give this a, a nine out of ten. <laughs> yeah, you've copied me again. That's exactly what I've got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is a classic, isn't it? It's a total and utter oh, yeah. classic. Yeah, it is. If, I, I think if if there was any sort of sequence where someone said to me, just you know, 
search it on YouTube what you want to watch, you know, and I'd think, oh, yeah, I'll put the Cyclops on. Yeah. I mean, if if uh, the Oscars ceremony was going to do, you know, the legacy and the history of film special effects, the Cyclops scene, this Cyclops scene will be in there. You just know it, don't you? Mm, yeah. I mean, I think people sort of seem to forget that there was a skeleton in this movie. You did mention that earlier on. Mm. And I know that originally the skeleton sequence was removed due to it being deemed as being... Too terrifying. Yeah, like incredibly <laughs> scary. But then, see, you know, he used to be on sort of afternoon te- television in the 1970s and 80s. So what was terrifying to one generation was afternoon TV to another. Well, one of my favourite films of all time is George Powell's War of the Worlds, which, yeah. which gets shown on a Sunday afternoon. And that was an X here in the UK, wasn't it? It was an X certificate. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I always remember being quite disturbed by that bit where the, the Morlock kind of, you know, it, it it's dissolving as he's travelling forward in time or whatever, and you see it's kind Oh, it of turns eyeball. into a skeleton. Yeah, 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 and the yeah, eyeball a... falls out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that, that was quite scary, I suppose. But the, it, it was scary in a in a sort of, like, you know, you're never going to have nightmares about it, but it was like a bit of a, oh, that was scary, but... Well, this is what like... I'm saying about... Th- this is the thing with stop motion. You can be, you know, unsettled by it, but because of the nature of what it is, you don't mm. believe it's real. It, yeah. it, it it becomes fantasy, doesn't it? Yeah, it it is picture book. It is kind of mm. that type of thing, comic book, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Def- yeah. Definitely. But, yeah, you know, I think that's a... It's, it's good that we agree on the rating, really, isn't it? You know, yeah, uh, no, that's I... good. That's good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, we've only featured, you know, Ray How- Harryhausen a couple of times on this show, and he, he's long overdue to come back. So here he is, and he's got a nine. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So thanks for today there, Andrew. Um, yeah. I've got to think about what we're going to do next for a Ray Harryhausen. Maybe uh, First Man in the Moon. That might be a nice... Uh, Nice yeah, one to do. See, which is a another Nathan Nathan Duran That's movie. right. Yeah, with yeah, tons of a, character. He, he's a very hit and miss as a director, Nathan Duran, because I mean, you know, he kind of I think the film he did before this. In fact, I think it was he filmed some like three or four films in 1958, and the film he did before this was literally the Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. He, he actually filmed it under the name of Nathan Hertz. So maybe he's, he wasn't that pleased with it himself. Well, I don't think anyone was. Yeah, yeah. He also did the uh, the brain from the planet Aru under the name of Nathan <laughs> Hertz as well. So maybe that was his, uh, you know, um, I've got a few spare days to make a film. I'll, I'll Blimey. This guy turn. zigzags, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but oh. he'd also done the Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea in the Time Tunnel and Lost in Space. He'd done right. episodes of Land of the Giants. Uh, and the last film he did was The Boy Who Cried Werewolf. I don't know if you've ever seen that in no, 1973. No, never seen it. Yeah, which is which is funny enough, got Kerwin Matthews in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, he sticks with what he uh, likes, doesn't he? Blimey. Yeah. But anyway, okay. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew. Thank you. All right. Um, you and I, we're going to be talking again soon. You and I know what we're going to be talking about, but uh, the audience don't. But it will be in October as part of yeah. our uh, horror month. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you in October, okay? Okay, thanks a lot. Bye. Cheers, Andrew. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.